0: Following podcast contains mature language and discussions that are not suitable for younger audiences. The opinions voiced in this podcast are our own. We are not experts on the topic we present, but have conducted our own research. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Strange and Undecided Podcast. I'm your host, Jarrett, joined by my co-host, Patrick. Welcome back, everyone.
1: Welcome back, people. Okay, so this week, I actually know what we're talking about. This one was suggested by me. Tune in later, because I have a fun little story to tell you folks. This is the case of the Ogopogo. Probably not one that you've heard of before. It's not really a a well-known thing, is it?
0: Not really. You know more about the Loch Ness Monster versus the Ogopogo.
1: That's exactly what this is. This is the case of the Canadian Loch Ness Monster. Shall we begin?
0: We shall. Picture this. You're in a kayak paddling across a beautiful lake. You're taking in the views of mountains and trees when suddenly a wave pushes upward from under the surface of the water near you. It steadily undulates across the surface of the water. You look closer and see flashes of green reflecting the sunlight. Something stirs in the depths and slithers under the surface of the water and just as fast as it appeared, it descends back to the depths of the lake. This may sound like a fairy tale or folklore, but for the people of Kelowna, British Columbia, their Okanagan Lake harbors what is known as Canada's Loch Ness Monster, the Ogopogo. The Ogopogo is said to inhabit Okanagan Lake. The lake was created 10,000 years ago by melting glaciers and is over 135 kilometers long which is roughly 84 miles, 4 to 5 kilometers wide, that's about 2 to 3 miles, with a maximum depth of 232 meters, or 792 feet. It's a big lake, so if a creature needed a place to hide, there's plenty of room to do so. The Ogopogo was depicted as a long, multi-humped creature with dark gray or green scales along its body, with the head of a horse and antlers of a deer. The body was said to be thicker than a telephone pole and measured 25 meters in length, or 82 feet. The legend of the Ogopoga dates back thousands of years. The Salish or Okanagan First Nations people told stories about the Naha'atik, the spirit of the lake. I apologize if I butchered that word. These people would cross the lake and seek safe passage from the Naha'atik. To appease the spirit of the lake, an offering from the people had to be made any time they wished to cross the lake. The offering was usually tobacco, sage, salmon meat, or other meat like chicken. These offerings were made in an area close to Rattlesnake Island. It was said that the Ogopogo lived in a subterranean cave at Squally Point.
1: Was this thing tormenting the people crossing the lake? Like, what was it doing? Tipping over their canoes and
0: shit? So according to the Okanagan people, this wasn't a threatening creature or spirit. We'll get into that in just a bit. Carry on. Before the arrival of European fur traders in 1809, the Salish had inhabited the area for 12,000 years, possibly more. They had established their own lifestyle, consisting of their own laws, justice system, and beliefs. To these people, the water held great importance and was sacred. This was represented by the Nahatik. The spirit could exist in two forms, a spiritual form and a physical form, which was embodied by the lake itself. It wouldn't be often, but the spirit would sometimes reveal itself from within the lake. You have angered him. They, so they highly respected the lake itself. It was sacred to them. And they believed there was a spirit of the lake, which was the now known as Okopogo.
1: The spirit was sacred as well. It wasn't like a terror type. It wasn't scary to them.
0: No, but as we'll get into later, you'll see how it got twisted. The white men. Exactly. It's actually exactly why. In 1872... An author, local to the now Kelowna area, described what he thought was a large, serpent-like snake swimming across the lake. Similar sightings sparked widespread hysteria that a large, aquatic creature was on the prowl. Stories of the spirit of the lake morphed as years passed. Settlers witnessed the First Nations people of the area making offerings of meat, salmon, tobacco, and sage. They incorrectly believed that live sacrifices were needed to appease a creature that lived within the lake. Oh, shit. These settlers altered the stories they heard, and the spirit of the lake now took a malevolent nature. One such story of the Nahatik not being appeased was about a First Nations chief named Tim Basket, who decided to try crossing the lake without giving a sacrifice. The chief and his family boarded a canoe and set out onto the lake. As they ventured further, the Na'atik suddenly appeared before them. It swept its tail through the water with ease, striking the canoe and flipping it. This sent the chief and his family flying into the water. They were then dragged down to the bottom of the lake, never to be seen again. In 1855, the first reported encounter with the lake serpent happened to Métis settler John McDougall. He stated that he was taking his horses across the lake and had tied them behind his canoe. He had done this before with no issues. However, this time was different, and he saw his horses being pulled underwater. The only reason he wasn't pulled down as well was because he cut his ropes before his canoe took on water and sunk. The first reported sighting by a European settler occurred a little while later in 1872, when a woman named Susan Allison was certain that she saw what she described as a dinosaur in the lake. The image of a bloodthirsty lake serpent took hold in their eyes and it grew out of control to the point where settlers would patrol the lake with guns because they feared an attack by the beast. You
1: cannot kill a spirit with a gun?
0: No, you cannot. They thought it was an actual living creature. like They were that terrified.
1: I mean, it could be at this point. It's all speculation, right? There's no no hard evidence.
0: At that point in time, no.
1: Let's see where this goes.
0: Eventually, over time, the Nahatik morphed into a legend of the lake rather than a real threat. And in the 1920s, the name changed to Ogopogo. Logical-minded opinions took over, and the idea that people were in danger subsided. However, the legend persisted. So why is the elusive cryptid called the Ogopogo? According to historian Mark M. Orkin and a cryptozoologist named Carl Schuker...
1: Cryptozoologist? What a career.
0: That'd be a pretty amazing career.
1: My career is based off of uh, folklore.
0: Well, it's like cryptozoology is just the study of animals who haven't been discovered so it's not necessarily like monsters rooted in fantasy and monsters it's actual actual work so just any undiscovered species
1: i wonder how many of these species become discovered because of your career
0: hopefully a lot so the name ogopogo originates from a 1924 english music hall song originating in the city of Vernon, british columbia called the ogopogo give us a little jingle jared the ogopogo the Funny Foxtrot by Cumberland Clark and Mark Strong. The lyrics included, quote, His mother was an earwig, His father was a whale, A little bit of head, And hardly any tail, And Ogopogo was his name. I'm not sure if this music is copyrighted, so I'm going to play it safe and listen here with Pat in just a minute. If you want to listen to the song yourself, I'll post the link in the show notes.
1: All right, so if you guys are into uh, old-timey 1920 music uh, recorded on a potato, <laughs> this, check this check this banger out.
0: Yeah, it's quite the tune. If the legend has made it this far, you would think the ogopogo would have been real or there would have been evidence of it, right? Show yourself. Well, over the years, there have been many sightings that just might support its existence, but I'll let you decide. One such sighting came from a man named Arthur Folden driving on Highway 97 in 1968. While driving, he happened to look over into the lake and saw something moving. He proceeded to pull over and saw what he thought was, quote, something large and lifelike. He took out his home movie camera and was able to film what he claimed to be proof of the Ogopogo. The video shows a large wave moving across the water. He estimated that the Ogopogo was approximately 100 meters, or 328 feet, offshore. In 2005, there was an investigation conducted by Benjamin Radford, Joe Nickel, and John Kirk for the National Geographic channel TV show, Is It Real? For the investigation, they used survey boats to determine the actual distance the alleged Ogopogo was from shore. They were able to determine that the distance was much closer than Folden had described, which would mean that the object would be actually much smaller and would have been traveling at a much slower speed. In conclusion, they determined that it was likely a real animal, but most likely only a waterfowl, otter, or a beaver instead of an ogopogo.
1: What about like a sturgeon? Aren't those kind of uh, typically misidentified as... These Loch Ness Monster-type creatures, they're like big, long fish, right? Wow, that's a pretty good guess. We'll get
0: into more of that later. Another sighting occurred in 1989 in an area close to Log Booms, which is near Bear Creek. The man who was involved was Ken Chaplin and his 78-year-old father. They staked out the area with a video camera and were able to catch what they described as a slim serpent-like creature measuring up to 15 feet in length Swimming about 75 feet from their canoe. The serpent whipped its tail and dove back into the deep. Ken stated that the tail whip was so forceful that if it hit a man, it would have killed them. The story doesn't end there. Ken ended up coming back to the same area with his daughter a few days later and saw it again. This story made it into magazines, newspapers, and actually appeared on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. However, It was analyzed by biologists, one of them being a man named Robert Lincoln. They concluded that they overestimated the animal. It was more likely a beaver based on the shape and behavior.
1: Isn't that the typical story, though? Guy goes fishing. Oh, yeah, it was huge. It was was 20 feet. No, it was like a little little sunfish.
0: I feel like these people get really excited and then...
1: You want to believe in the...
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, they went out to the area with the intention of finding Ogopogo. So I feel like if anything moved, they would have been like, that's Ogopogo. No doubt about it.
1: Oh, yeah. If you want to find it, you're going to find it.
0: Exactly. More sightings occurred over the years that ranged from shaky pixelated video to very odd pictures. Most of the time it was explained away as logs bobbing in the water or other animals, one of them being a white sturgeon. Sturgeon are a freshwater fish that can grow over 20 feet long. They're almost prehistoric looking, and if I was underwater or looking into the water and saw one, I would think it was a serpent-like creature too. They are ugly. The possibility of sturgeon living in Okanagan Lake is not certain, as there have never been any official reports or eyewitness accounts that have ever been verified. White sturgeon inhabit other lakes and rivers in BC, including the Columbia River, which actually connects to Okanagan Lake, via the Okanagan River. However, with the construction of dams in the 1920s, this has inhibited access of sturgeon to the lake. Any sturgeon alive in the lake currently would have to have been there for over 100 years. This is possible, though, because sturgeon can live for a long time, with one of the oldest known to be 103 years old. Oh yeah, those things are like dinosaurs, right? Exactly. Exactly. It is not surprising that there hasn't been a sighting of sturgeon or bottom feeders and rarely come to the surface. More recently, there have been some interesting pictures and videos of an alleged Ogopogo. With modern-day camera quality, the days of pixelated and poor-quality photos are over. In 2019, a man and his son were out paddleboarding when all of a sudden a strange rippling wave came up out of the water. The son claimed he could see a flipper come up out of the water and then hit the water, while his father filmed the strange phenomenon. He heard a swooshing sound, as he described. We'll watch the video and be right back. The interview here will be posted in the show notes.
1: All right, well, I'll be honest, that was pretty fucking cool.
0: Yeah, if you look closely in the video you can actually see something under the water kind of coming up and out. It happens for a very like small like fraction of a second. But I don't know. Usually I'm pretty
1: skeptical anytime there's like a something caught on video, but like this one is this one got me.
0: So there actually is this is apparently a pretty common phenomenon called the Ogopogo wave and scientists have determined that thermal stratification in a lake can cause a wave to appear from nowhere when a denser layer of water slides beneath a more buoyant layer, as often happens in spring or autumn. Apparently, these times, spring or autumn, are the most common times for an Ogopogo sighting.
1: Well, scientists always have an answer for something. What if it was a fucking Ogopogo? For real. And they're trying uh, they just make up some big words in science. Science. I don't know. Could, Could be. Could be. I want to see somebody recreate this phenomenon in a lab. Has anybody tried?
0: Let's watch a quick video. We'll be right back.
1: That thermal stratification experiment, it kind of demonstrates it, but it's very non-uniform chaotic. The video that we watched of the supposed Ogopogo Very uniform.
0: Yeah, it looks like something... Like the humps, the alleged humps, they never change distance. They're always still a consistent distance across the water. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Could be Ogopogo. Another more recent encounter that occurred in 2022 happened to a couple and their neighbor when they were out on their boat on Okanagan Lake. The man saw what he thought was a log bobbing in the water. As the boat got closer... It appeared to be a head and horns protruding from the water, so they snapped a photo. Let's have a look, and we'll be right back. The interview will once again be posted in the show notes.
1: Okay, so there's, kind of looks like two horns sticking out of the water, and then beneath it is just a random blob. Which looks nothing like a face or a head or nothing like that.
0: Yeah, it's really strange, but that's probably the most clear photo that I've seen in my research of an alleged Okopogo. So, to
1: me, that one could be a lot of other things before an Okopogo in my opinion.
0: And if that's something like an animal or something that's been floating on the water for a while, it's decomposed, it's been picked at by other aquatic life and stuff, and it's usually pretty non-recognizable. So
1: Maybe it was a dead Ogopogo.
0: I hope not. Most of what I've been talking about has been observations made from the surface of the water. But what about under the water? In 1991, an expedition to search for the Ogopogo was launched and used very state-of-the-art equipment. Some of these pieces of equipment included a remotely operated vehicle, or ROV, a small submarine, sonar equipment, and an underwater camera. The search began, and all the vehicles went to the deepest part of the lake to search. Unfortunately, there was no sighting of the Ogopogo, nor were there any bones or carcasses found at the bottom. This wasn't good enough for Kelowna local Bill Stasiak. Bill claims to have seen the Ogopogo in 1978, and since then has been trying to prove its existence. Not only did he want to prove its existence, but he also wanted to do it scientifically instead of speculatively. He formed a group dubbed the Legend Hunters and has been a part of expeditions to find Ogopogo. We will be diving into those expeditions. It sounds
1: like a fun weekend thing. I would be all about this.
0: Getting together with your buddies and going out on the lake and searching for...
1: Have a few beers. For science.
0: For science. And that's what this is all about. Bill and his crew started by renovating a 50-foot by 14-foot houseboat to act as a home base on the water, and this would allow the group to coordinate all of the equipment they would be using. Len Melnick from CanPro Diving Services joined the expedition and was able to bring both equipment and his expertise with him. One piece of equipment brought by Len was an ROV equipped with a video camera and lights. The submersible had the ability to reach depths of over 300 meters, or 984 feet. The camera attached was able to send high-resolution pictures to the home base on the surface. A generous donation came from the Interphase Technologies of Sokol, California, in the form of a high-tech sonar device. On August 12, 2000, the expedition commenced. The plan was to investigate areas with the highest concentration of Ogopogo sightings. These places included Rattlesnake Island. Ogopogo's underwater cave, according to legend. There were several large underwater caves identified on the deep walls of Rattlesnake Island, and the ones of interest were those not previously explored. The expedition took over two weeks, and on day 18, the sonar pinged what was described as a fast moving object approximately 15 meters long, or 49 feet. It was situated in front of where the home base boat was located. The sonar sweep time lasted 35 seconds, so that's one full rotation of the sonar. It took 35 seconds. And during that time, the creature-like object moved five degrees to the port. So that's the left if you're facing the front of the boat. And after the next sweep, the object vanished. The next notable expedition occurred in 2009. Between 2001 and 2009, there were two other expeditions, but they didn't yield any tangible results. But this helped Bill and his crew prepare for what was coming next. The
1: big one. We're getting there. It's the one that Bill was hoping for.
0: The 2009 expedition introduced new and innovative technology, the use of hydroacoustic and thermal imaging devices. The crew from the 2006 Legend Hunters expedition was assembled once again, as well as Whitewater Entertainment Incorporated. Their hope was to find and film evidence of Ogopogo. During the first day of the expedition in an area near what is now called Peachland, a helicopter equipped with thermal imaging spotted a trail in the water that led to an area where fish were jumping. This news was radioed to the team on the water, and they sent out a Zodiac to investigate. As they approached, the lake suddenly went very calm, and no more fish were jumping. Bill's crew speculated that this could have been Ogopoga coming up to feed on the fish. Later that same day, the crew was exploring some of the many caves below the water at Squally Point. In one particular cave at a depth of 20 meters, or 65 feet, lying at the entrance was a decomposed carcass. Before you think that this was the legendary Ogopogo, it was a snake-like creature indeed. However, it was only about 25 centimeters long, or 10 inches. Weak. Since the carcass was decomposed, they took a tissue sample and sent it to the Biodiversity Institute of Ontario in Guelph to determine the species from the extracted DNA. Sadly enough, the university determined that the tissue belonged to a salmon, which is common to the area. No Ogopogo today. All that for a salmon? I mean, it was, they said it was pretty badly decomposed, and it was like a snake-like, like, I don't know what it probably looked like. Come on, did they not have a single
1: biologist on site? Come on. I guess not. They could have told you that was a fucking salmon.
0: If you were there, maybe.
1: I am pretty smart.
0: On the following day, the team decided to test the hydroacoustic equipment for the first time. Bill set a constant tone of 20 hertz, which is a very low frequency, and broadcasted the signal into the lake. At the same time, a diver was searching underwater caves. Bill was testing signal strength and decided to increase it, when all of a sudden he heard a frantic call over the radio from the diver. How my ears. As the diver was exploring, he was engulfed all of a sudden in a thick cloud of sediment and lost his bearings completely. In an effort to maintain safety and rescue the diver, the dive master of the group sent two divers down to find him. Thankfully, he was unharmed. The sediment began to settle around them, and as they looked around, they noticed a large scooped out area on the bottom of the lake, measuring about five meters long, three meters wide, and two meters deep. This translates into 16 and a half feet long, 10 feet wide, and 6.5 feet deep. It seemed as though something was hiding in the sediment by burrowing itself, and the sound frequency had disturbed it and made it flee the area. This diver's got some
1: balls. Either he doesn't believe this Ogopogo, or he's just got nerves of steel.
0: Yeah, if I went for a dive in a lake like this, thinking that there's the potential for a sea monster, I would not be calm. No. The 2009 expedition proved fruitful in the search for Ogopogo. The Monster Quest documentary made it to the History Channel, where it is still being played today. The most recent expedition took place back in June of 2023. Bill was contacted by an expert or longtime researcher of the Ogopogo, Bill Gibbons. Bill Gibbons is someone who has spent years searching for elusive creatures around the world. An offer was made to put together a joint expedition to search for Ogopogo, and it would happen in September. This expedition would act as a scouting expedition to prepare for a much larger one planned for 2024.
1: That's the year that we're recording this in. That is. Shall we join?
0: I would love to. Between Bill Stasiak and Bill Gibbons, their expertise and knowledge just might increase their chances of finding evidence of Ogopogo. The expedition departure was set for September 21st. The area of interest this time around would be in the area from Squally Point in the south to Cars Landing in the north. The reason for this was an interest in the deep water close to shore specifically the area where the tributaries of the lake meet so tributaries are basically just rivers that connect from outer bodies of water into a localized area as an upgrade from the last expedition and through the purchase of bill gibbons a new rov was used that could now reach a maximum depth of 100 meters or 328 feet instead of the modified houseboat used in the past This year's expedition would use a 6.4-meter or 21-foot harbor craft boat. The first day of the expedition began with a launch into the Calm Lake at 9.30 a.m. They started the expedition at Squally Point to the south of Kelowna. On the way to Squally Point, they stopped near Rattlesnake Island in about 60 meters or 200 feet of water to try out the new ROV. The weather suddenly changed and strong winds came from the north creating troublesome swells on the water. The team decided to back off and head towards Kelowna, and a little while later, as they were heading back, the weather suddenly cleared back up and the lake was calm once again. The day ended with no sightings or findings. The next day was a perfect day, and the team set out at 9.30 a.m. again. The plan today was to explore the area at the mouth of Bear Creek to the west, as well as the deepest part of Lake Okanagan, which is south of a place called Car's Landing. The water at the mouth was crystal clear, but full with milfoil, which is an invasive water weed. What the fuck did you just say? Milfoil. Milfoil. After being there for a while, the team noticed a dark form moving swiftly under the boat towards deeper water, and they were able to catch a glimpse of it as it passed by. The creature they saw was black in color and measured one meter long and 15 centimeters in width, or three feet long and six inches in width. The area the team was currently in was determined to be a good host to aquatic life as nutrients were readily supplied by the tributary and there was substantial protection for various developing species, maybe even smaller Ogopogo. Hoping to catch another glimpse of the mysterious creature, they waited for an hour or so. With no such luck, they decided to move on to Lake Okanagan's deepest part. The trip only took them 25 minutes, and as they arrived, they noticed the stillness of the lake. was smooth like glass. To refresh your memory, this spot has a depth of 232 meters, or 792 feet. The reason they chose to investigate this spot was because there had been a fairly recent, and when I say fairly recent, I mean within seven years, sightings of Ogopogo. The team stayed in the spot for nearly two hours, when they finally noticed a black form appeared on the surface to the west and was stirring up the water with a zigzag motion. Bill was able to get his camera out and recorded 20 seconds of video before the disturbance ceased. The creature that made the commotion was too large to be a species of fish known to the lake. This was a successful end to their expedition, and the team now prepares for a new, larger scale expedition for this year, 2024. This expedition is said to include ROVs, waterproof drones, and hydroacoustic equipment. So, whether you are a believer in sea monsters or a straight skeptic, There is no denying that something strange and mysterious is happening in Okanagan Lake. If you plan to visit Kelowna in search of the Ogopogo, here is some advice. Have some patience, keep a watchful eye, and don't forget your camera.
1: It's 2024. We all have cameras. There is no reason not to capture an Ogopogo. Honestly, though, if we found conclusive evidence of an Ogopogo, wouldn't it just take away the fun of it all?
0: For sure, because... I think half of the fun is just the mystery of it. That's all of the fun. And the other half is the searching for it still, because Bill clearly is having a lot of fun. Bill's having a blast. Yeah. like He's devoted his life to this. Where's Bill getting the funds? Uh, It's usually through donations or, from what I know, just really nice people willing to help. Don't quote me on that, though. I'm not 100% sure. So what did you think of the Ogopogo?
1: Well, I did mention at the start of the show, I do have my own story of the Ogopogo. Are you ready to hear? I am ready. All right. Flashback. About four years ago, I'm on a little vacation to British Columbia. I know nothing about this story. I'm in Penticton at Lake Okanagan, driving along the lake towards Peachland. I'm taking in the views, taking in the scenery. It's a beautiful day. Water's super calm. I'm just looking out at the lake. I'm driving to the passenger side, minding my own business. And I see something that catches my eye. And I think to myself, did I just see the Loch Ness Monster? I just thought this to myself. I didn't tell anybody. It's like, what a, what a weird thing to think. Like, why would there be a Loch Ness Monster here? So whatever, we go on, I forget about it. We're going on a little hike, climbing a mountain. We get to the peak and we're taking in the scenery, looking at the lake and our host for the trip starts telling us a story about the Ogopogo. And in that moment, I'm like, no fucking way. Did I just see an Ogopogo monster? And I believe in that instant, the first thing I did was message you. you Yeah,
0: I remember. You were just like, dude, I have a crazy story for you when I get home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that was it. I don't know what it was.
0: So what exactly did you see? You said you saw something, but like what specifically did you see?
1: It's hard to remember exactly because it was just a side thought. I just kind of dismissed it from my mind. But from what I can sort of recall, it was kind of like three, three hump-like objects.
0: So you saw like the Ogopogo wave?
1: I don't recall it moving. It was just like stationary in the water.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Maybe a log, maybe a fish, maybe an Ogopogo. I don't know. If I knew about this Ogopogo thing back then, maybe I would have taken a better mental note of it, right?
0: Maybe you would have stopped and uh, taken out your camera, took a picture.
1: Maybe. God, I had one chance in life and I missed it.
0: You messed up, man. I done goofed. So something I didn't say before, but in the town of Kelowna, there actually is like a monument made. So it's a dragon or serpent-like statue that's in the town to commemorate the Ogopogo. Oh yeah, they love this thing. But also something I found out too is that in the depths of the water, they have placed a Ogopogo statue. For divers? For divers. I don't know about you, but if I didn't know about it and I swam and I just saw this thing, like, do you remember when we went to Tobomori and we were snorkeling all the shipwrecks, how, like, ominous that was? Because it's like, you just see this blackness in front of you and as you slowly get closer, you see this dark mass and the ship just kind of exits the darkness and it's very ominous. It's very creepy. So you thought that was scary? Imagine going in the water here, seeing nothing, and then all of a sudden, this serpent statue. I would shoot to the surface so fast. That would scare me. Then you
1: would get the bends.
0: I don't know. I don't think it's that deep. Yeah, so according to this article, it resides 30 feet beneath the surface of Paul's tomb to the left of the bay in Knox Mountain Park. So it's only in 30 feet of water. Okay. Also to mention, too, the junior hockey team in the area is known as the Kelowna Rockets with the mascot of the team being a serpent of types, probably Ogopogo. All right, serious question for you. Do you believe that there's an Ogopogo in Okanagan Lake and that it's still alive to this day? If there is an
1: Ogopogo, I feel like maybe it's more of a spiritual creature like the natives to the area first uh, mentioned. So I've kind of mentioned this before in other cryptids but i think maybe it exists as a spiritual entity maybe not as a physical creature if it was physical we'd probably have found some evidence for it like a body or some bones or whatever but if it's like in the same realm as like a a ghosty type ghoul it can just disappear right i mean that's the only explanation that makes sense right
0: I believe probably at some point there was something. I'm not saying it's Ogopogo specifically, but I believe there's probably something in the lake that was large. I'm going on the side of a sturgeon and a really big one. Sturgeon are insanely strange looking. And like I said before, if one of those was swimming by or surfacing, I would think that it was a lake serpent, 100%. Especially back in the day where they weren't really sure about classification of different animals and stuff like that and something that's 20 feet long plus swimming around you in the lake especially when you're on the lake that seems a lot larger yeah that makes sense
1: because uh back before they built those dams and everything there would have been a whole lot more sturgeons in the lake that people would have seen that makes more sense
0: all right so that's it for our show tonight what did you think that was a good one out of all the ones we've done so far which one's your favorite you
1: know my favorite is still ufos because i'm a weirdo and i just love that shit I want to believe it's so bad, but...
0: So was this story what you were hoping for? The story hit the
1: mark on everything I was hoping for.
0: Good, I'm glad. Anyone who is interested in having their story put on the show or they have any ideas, please email us at strangeandundecided@gmail.com. at Thanks for listening and... Good night.